0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I'm going to try and speak with the mic. I'm I, I, one of these people that really struggles to talk without using both hands. So um, I'm going to try, but uh, th- there we go. So, um, good, lovely picture this morning of stormy skies on a lovely, sunny, summer, calm day. I feel this morning that I'm going to talk and I'm going to introduce us. into into understanding how do we respond when bad things happen. What a lovely topic on a sunny day. How to respond when bad things happen. That's the word that I've kind of felt brewing for quite some time, Um, and it's a word that I've had to live through in the last few weeks. Um, And so for me, it's very much a word that's working out in my own experience. Just understanding God's heart and intention for us. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. I wish he hadn't said that, don't you? But he did. He said some most amazing, life-giving, life-transforming, healing. Many of his words. But he also said, in this world you will have trouble. He then went on to say, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. But... In this world, you will have trouble. The Old Testament says, sure, as sparks fly upwards, man is born for trouble. There's this kind of inevitability. If you live, the sun is there many days, but other days, storm clouds come. And actually, what I want to relate to this morning is not the trouble that comes at work. It's not the trouble that comes to do with our health. Those are areas where, at times, we may feel as if dark clouds have Arisen, but it's not those areas that I want to talk about this morning. It's not the trouble that sometimes comes around our finances. That's not the area that I want to talk about this morning. The thing I want to talk about this morning is the trouble that comes, the difficult things come, the bad things that come that relate to people, to people in our lives, perhaps to people that we um, are close to, people that we're not close to, people at work, people at home, where, whatever. But sometimes things come into our lives and they feel like storm clouds and we can't say right now they are good. It's relational. It's personal. How do we cope when bad things come into our life? And Jesus said, in this world you have trouble. How do we cope? And so that's, that's what we want to talk about this morning. So I'm glad you're now feeling ready, And we've got to lift this, because I believe by the grace of God, God wants to lift us in bad times. Whether that is, all those other things, but certainly when it's with us trying to deal daily with issues that relate to relationship, to deal with how people are dealing with us. Um, Just a little bit of introduction, I think looking around, I know most of you but not everyone, my name is Adrian and I have a badge to prove it um, and it's a badge from King's Church which makes it doubly authentic, Adrian here to help that's me, Adrian, okay um, interestingly I have another IT badge just in case, and it's one that I see I don't wear this on Mondays this comes off on Mondays and instead of that, um, I have another badge that goes on and um, it looks like I'm the one who needs help on this, on this picture. But this is another badge that goes around my neck. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. And it's the place I work during the week. And uh, it's my ID. It hasn't even got, it's just got my name. No, oh, it's got my whole name on it this time. It's got a key as well. It's mm-hmm. not, not the key to the kingdom, it's a key to a locker. Um, Adrian Nottingham Bolton CBS tells you something about where I work. A little bit more about me than that I'm just here to help. It tells you a little bit about my work and you could ask questions about that. But that's not the only badge I've got um, because other times I wear another ID badge. And it's this one. This is my favourite. And the reason it's my favourite is it does that. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the key to the town hall. This will open doors in the town hall in Stockport. So this is another badge that I wear, maybe Fridays or in the evenings sometimes. And it's got my name on it as well. And it says I'm a councillor, Stockport council there. And it's got a lovely picture, which they've obviously doctored because they somehow squashed my face. Just round and flat. Um, and it looked like I've been tangoed because I'm orange as well. Um, but, but, but there you go. There's another badge. Um, I was on a course last month um, in Leeds for three days a course called The Art of Hosting. And I was there for three days. And um, on the third day, one of the uh, facilitators of the course, I had a one-to-one with, with him, uh, a young guy called Jose from Colombia. And um, his, his question to me, he said, Hi, Adrian, who are you? And, and, and I kind of just paused for a minute um, because the question was kind of asking a little bit deeper than the badge, a little bit deeper than just something with a face and a title on it, he was saying to me, Adrian, who are you? And, and that kind of stu- that made me stumble for a moment. So being a little bit of a politician, I kind of did the thing that politicians get good at. You don't answer the question. So what you do is you kind of turn it around. So I said, oh, interesting. Jose, who are you? And I was interested. He was as stumbled as I was. <laughs> I thought, great. Thought you'd get it in first—that deep, deep question—and he kind of reflected and he said, "Well, I'm—I'm um, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a musician." And he said one or two more things that I guess began to take us a little bit deeper into the question of identity: "Who are you?" So then it was my turn, and I picked up on a couple of his prompts. I said, "I'm a husband, I'm a father." And the next thing I found myself saying was I'm a devoted follower of Jesus, realizing that actually if you really want to get to know me, if you want to go beyond the thing that I wear around my neck that's got a name and a picture and maybe a job title, something about who I am which is deeper than that, which is actually beyond a badge that I can take off at the end of the day or at the end of a particular um, uh, you know, um, session, etc., Something deeper that remains with me when I wake up and when I go to sleep, when I come in, when I go out. You need to understand that something perhaps that I am is a devoted follower of Jesus. And some of you, um, I hope, would, would kind of see and own that as well for yourself. I'm a loved lover loving others. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm in this world to become like him. That's who I am. That's the deepest part something of the grace of God has come into my life and changed me and made me new and given me a new identity. The old is gone the new has come. I am a new creation in Christ. I am a follower of Jesus and by the grace of God that is something that is growing. Becoming more like him. And Paul said this about himself. Perhaps at a point of just really opening his heart um, to those uh, in the early church. And uh, Paul kind of said this. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. Paul's ambition, Paul's drive to know him and to become like him. For me, as a devoted follower of Jesus, that's it. To to know him and to become like him. And actually, that's my intention. But of course, that's God's intention. That is God's intention. That I become like Jesus. That I get to know him. And in the knowing, I am transformed and changed and become Like him, so that wonderful verse in Romans chapter 8, and it's verse 29, it says, This for for those that God knew or foreknew, He chose to be conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus, that He, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many, many brothers and sisters. That's God's intention. That for you and for me, that we be conformed into the image, that we be shaped into the image of Jesus. So that Jesus is the first, but then there are many others like him. That's God's intention for us. That's what God is doing. You know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing all sorts of things. I've got all sorts of projects on the go. That's why I've got three ID badges. Doesn't that tell you how busy I am? I'm doing this and I'm doing that, but this is, the, this is the reality. God is doing one thing, and that one thing is to shape and conform me into the image of Jesus. We are God's handiwork. I don't want to base, debase it by saying we're His project, we're His children, we're loved, but we are the objects of His handiwork, of, of Him at work shaping us, changing us. He is the potter. We are the clay. And God is at work shaping us into the image of his son. And it's not something that God does um, as a a part-time job. It's what he's doing all the time. In every circumstance, in every situation, he is shaping us. When the good things happen, he's shaping us. When the bad things happen, he is shaping us. When the relationships are difficult and we are feeling the hurt and the pain of that, he is shaping us in that situation. He's not part-time. He doesn't get over-busy like me and then ends up dropping some things that I should have been doing and the, dropping the ball and missing something. Not God. Every moment at all times, God's focus is on us. And he is conforming and shaping us into the image of his son. So the verse before that, that I just quoted, Romans 8, 29, for those that God foreknew, he chose to be conformed to the image of his son. The verse before that is so well known, but the verse before that makes sense of the verse that I've just read. The verse before that says this, in all things... God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In all things, in the good and the bad, in the stuff that if we were writing the script we'd happily put it in, and the stuff because we don't get to write the script that we'd rather have left out, in all things, God works for the good of those. And what is the good? The good is that we are, and we shape shaped like Jesus. That's the good. That's the good project. That's the good purpose of God, to conform us. And God will use all things to conform us into the image of his son. How we need to know the shape of Jesus. How we need to see in the times when the storms come, how we need to see Jesus. How we need to know his heart. How we need to understand his wisdom. That in those shaping moments, we would find the grace and the empowering of the Spirit to say that's what Jesus would do. By the grace and the empowering of God, let me respond in that way. Let me be shaped in that way. I'm going to ask us to read a passage. Now, if you've got Bibles, that's great. If you've got um, your smartphones or tablets with you, that's great. But I'm going to pass the microphone around and just ask people to read a couple of verses so that it comes from here rather than from um, from the front here, from, from the uh, congregation. So it's Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Understanding Jesus, getting some wisdom in terms of how do we respond when bad things happen. Show us your way, um, risen Jesus. Matthew 6 is the famous Sermon on the Mount, very early on in Jesus' ministry. Some call it the Manifesto of the Kingdom. This is Jesus setting out. This is the way it will be. This is a new order. This is a new way. Um, It's in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, and and Luke uh, records um, similar words, and it's recorded in Luke 6 for us. Um, Matthew 5 starts the, the passage by Jesus saying this, You've heard it said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then he says, but I say. So he sets what you've heard. This is a new way. The eye for the eye, the tooth for the tooth. You've heard that. That's the old. I'm going to now show you a new way. So Luke 6, 27. um, Ruth, would you help me with this? If I have this microphone over, would somebody um, read the first couple of verses? Then we'll just go through. Looks like we've got Ben. Ben's going to kick off for us. Thank you, Ben. Sorry, cameras. (laughs) But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to every that seeketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them, and if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you for sinners also do even the same? And if you lend to those sorry, it's got to turn the page. <laughs> if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I finish it? Right, so. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Thank you, thank you. Um, there we are, I could almost finish at that point. <laughs> That's the instruction from Jesus, when things are hard, when things are tough. This is his counsel to us, this is his way. And within those, right in the middle of that passage is what some, pe- some people have called the golden rule. The golden rule, which is "do unto others as you would have them do unto you," the golden rule. That's a that's something that whether people read their Bible or not, that's common kind of common wisdom out in the world. Most people, if you say to them, "Finish this, do unto others," most people will be able to finish. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule, backed up by "do good to those who hate you." Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I'm going to turn these chairs around because I think we always have a challenge. Get rid of those. Yeah, there we go, Ruth. Let's do it together. Let's synchronize it. After three. One, two, three. Wow, look at that. Okay. So, can you see the chairs? It's up there just in case, okay? Um, we, we, have a, we always have a choice when bad things come our way, when uh, people uh, as, you know, uh, persecute, when people accuse, when people misinform, when, when we feel as if we are under attack. We really do have a choice. And I'm going to suggest that we could sit in one of either seats, and we could take a seat and we could take a position. And from that position, we could respond. We could look at the seat that says justice. And we could look at the seat that says mercy. Um, do unto others. That's the golden rule. As you would have them do unto you. Now, let, let's look at justice. Um, We've we got to know, haven't we, justice is good. Justice is a good thing. Justice is a God thing. In fact, God is the God of justice. And we are told to act justly. So in the Old Testament, a a tremendous verse from the Old Testament prophet Micah. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Some of you will know this. It says this. He's shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly? Justice is a good thing. We're called to be the champions of the poor, of the oppressed, of the weak, of the stranger. To look out for those who are in the minority and are overlooked. That's justice. And we're called to be people of justice. And that's what Jesus did. He stood up for those that were downtrodden. He spoke out for those that were marginalised. He was and acted justly. Um, so I believe in justice. If you were to look on my Twitter feed, you'd see that it says, I love growing community, social justice, and good health care for all. How's that, eh? But social justice, very much part of, of today's way of speaking. Justice is a good thing. Um, I just want to say this. Justice is good when we're looking out for someone else. When we're looking out for ourselves, we have to be careful. When it's justice for ourselves, that's where we have to be careful. When we sit in the seat that says justice, we're outward looking, it's good. But when we turn it on ourselves and demand justice, that's where I think the golden rule is at risk. Um, So it now becomes, not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But justice seat says, do unto others as they have done unto you. And that's very different. When we turn it on ourselves, it's very different from what Jesus said to us. Um, Because when we sit in that seat, often we sit there and really what we're crying out for, as we cry out for justice for ourselves, we very easily and very quickly get into the cry for judgment. We judge when we sit in this seat, when it's it's pointing at us. I hope I've kind of made that clear. When we're fighting for somebody else and we want justice and the judgment to be fair, that's good. God asks us to act that way. But when it's us and we realise that we've been harmed and we want to see justice that's where the golden rule that's where Jesus' way begins when I say they did it to me I'm going to do it to them they deserve it if the shoe was on the other foot they would be doing that to me I'm going to fight back with it's an eye for an eye it's a tooth for a tooth that's where this seat begins to become perhaps not the way of Jesus when it's just for justice it becomes retaliation it becomes reprisal. It becomes vengeance. What did Jesus say when he was accused? Well, in Peter, 1 Peter 2 verse 23, it says this. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Instead, I want to suggest that mercy is the way of the Lord Jesus. Mercy is the way of the golden rule. This isn't do unto others as they have done unto you. This is mercy that says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so actually we need to read that verse in Micah again because I cut it short because this is what it says. He has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love. Mercy. And to walk humbly before God, to love mercy. The, what we read in Luke said, "Be merciful, for your Father is merciful." Jesus said in Matthew five, in the, in the bit that there on the son on the Mount, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy." Mercy says, "Do good to those who hate you." Mercy says, "Bless those who curse you." Mercy said, pra- "Praise." Sorry, mercy says, pray for those who mistreat you. Mercy says, turn the other cheek. Mercy says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Be merciful, for just as your Father is merciful. It's not easy. It's not easy to sit in this seat when we feel as if we're being accused. It's not easy to sit here. In fact... Um, I've found over the last few weeks that it's actually almost feels as if I've got to die in order to sit in this seat because I desperately want to be here. I desperately want to say, God, defend me, do, do what, you know, turn it back on them. But mercy says, God, something's got to die inside of me to love my enemies. Something's got to die inside of me to pray for those who persecute me. Something's got to die for me to say, Father, forgive them. Something's got to die. So when Paul says, and it picks it up, I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live. Isn't that perhaps the place that I start with when I come to a decision? It's no longer me. I have died. In fact, I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I now live... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've found that it's actually, which seat do I sit in? Where's my prayer start? I can work it out one day. The next day, I still have that choice. I still have to go through that. Lord, what's the golden rule? What's Jesus' way? How can I do that? And there's that death again. I don't live anymore. I've been crucified with Christ. But the life I live, I live by faith. It's an ongoing daily. Um, Jesus said, Father, uh, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the grace and the power of Jesus, we are also asked to forgive, to bless and not curse, to speak well of those who speak against us. There's a saying that says this, the key to living is giving. And the key to giving is forgiving. And the key to forgiving is knowing that you have been forgiven. And so actually, if we ever struggle, let's just ask ourselves, when we stand before God, do we want to sit in this seat? Do we want justice? Do we want God to treat us the way that we deserve? I think very quickly we'd get over here, wouldn't we? And ask for mercy. Because knowing that we have been the recipients of mercy, that we have been forgiven, that we have been loved with an everlasting love, by God's grace, this is the place to be. This is the place to be. You see, justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And that's the place I need to be before the Father, not getting what I deserve. And then grace, on top of the mercy of God, grace is getting what you don't deserve. And that's the way that God deals with us. And that's the way, by the grace of God, he asks us to deal with others. James said this, mercy triumphs over judgment. Paul says this, in view, am I urge urging brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, which is, your, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, May you know the joy of receiving the boundless mercy of God. And in turn, may you know the joy and freedom of being merciful when you have been wronged. May you daily be shaped to become more like Jesus. And may you be enabled through the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like him. And thereby represent him in the world, in thought, in word, and deed. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy towards us. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we are not those who have received that which we deserve, but you have not counted our sin against us. You have forgiven us, you have shown us mercy. We ask you to continue to shape us that we might be those who, like you, are full of mercy. Help us, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit to become more like you. That we might say, like Paul, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. Thank you that we are not alone. Thank you that you are moment by moment working and striving and giving and shaping and loving and caring for us. Amen. Amen. I, I felt this morning um, that you know there is a there is a prayer banner here, and we love it's our good habit. It's our practice to pray. I really felt this morning. I'd love to stand with anybody right now is feeling the the, the, the pain of of, of death over what I just talked about this morning where it just feels that you are under attack being accused and struggling to find God's heart and mind to find God's mercy in that I'd love just to stand with you I haven't told you but it's a living word for me that I'm working through Di knows all about that, we are working through it at the moment um, and I'd love just to stand with anybody who is in a similar position and just pray God's grace, God's enabling. In all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose.